Was this EDM? This is Tiesto. This is Tiesto. Can we have an all Tiesto night? It's Tiesto on a Thursday on the fan. Yes. I'm not joking. I want Tiesto every single break now. Okay, that, that is it. We are. There's we only are three. We're, there was only three. Yeah, there's only three in the system. The man sold 36 billion sales or whatever the hell it was. He's doing that. He's doing that. The pregame and the in-between commercials at the Super Bowl. Uh, what are we doing here? I guess we only got three. For the next three, it's it's a Tiesto Thursday here on the Fan. Let's go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. One of our favorites, our buddy Miles Simmons, ProFootballTalk.com. You can check him out there. Local kid done good. Miles, uh, are you a big EDM guy? I don't know if I'm a big EDM guy, but I, I mean, I, I don't mind the EDM. I like the Tiesto. I was rocking out, you know, with my headphones in here, you know, as you brought me in from break. I love that. It's fun. I'm excited for Tiesto at the Super Bowl, especially because you know, I will be there in my capacity for Pro Football Talk and, and NBC Sports. And the Las Vegas Stadium, Allegiant Stadium, is an open press box. So that means we actually get to feel the atmosphere. And if there's one thing I cannot stand, it is when indoor stadiums don't have open press boxes. Like in Atlanta a few years ago when the Rams and Patriots were playing, it's not an open press box. There's no open press box at SoFi Stadium either. So, you know, you didn't get the full experience of the Dr. Dre halftime show. So I will get to see Tiesto. I will get to see Usher. And it will be fantastic. Wasn't Rams-Patriots like the 13-3 to game and offense just died? Yes, that is the worst Super Bowl of yeah, all time. I mean, you know, that's, I, I, oh yeah. boy, yeah, that's that's it, yeah, tough. It, it, it was bad. It was bad. Uh, and you know, I noticed that sometimes when they start showing old Super Bowls on NFL Network, they will skip past that one. <laughs> like it'll just go from the Eagles Super Bowl right to then the Chiefs Super Bowl, and it's like, well, what happened in 2018? Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, Tiesto, I think, is a good idea by the Super Bowl, not because I was knew Tiesto's name more than four hours ago. It's more the idea that uh, I, 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 now I've never been. You just told me you've been to a few Super Bowls. Uh, I've never been, but they tell me the atmosphere, because it's, it's, a, it's a wine and cheese crowd. They said the atmosphere is awful at those games. Yeah, it's very different. I mean, than your typical game. Like, that's why I, I love championship weekends, right? And, you know, the yeah. whole thing last year with, oh, if the Bills win, we have to change the rules for the Bills because we always change the rules for the Bills, and it's got to be a neutral site, and la, la, la. Like, I'm not enthused about that because I think championship weekend is the best, right? It is the highest stakes game that you can have at a home stadium. And, you know, fortunately – the NFL has shown no real desire to make that a neutral site game. But, yeah, it is very different going to that neutral site and the very corporate crowd because tickets are astronomically expensive. And, frankly, I, if, if I weren't working, I would almost certainly never be able to go. So I'm privileged to work. Well, and, I mean, it being in Vegas this year has got to be – and that's a great – I, I don't know. Now, I'm wondering, though. I mean, you have access to some cool parties, I would imagine. Uh, did you have access to cool parties in the uh, when you went in 2018 or no? Uh, yes, because at that time, I was still working for the Los Angeles Rams. So it was very yeah, cool nice. that they had all of the perks that come with working for the team. Like, you know, you had a family suite that was open and open bar and drinks until 
odd hours of the night. And then, you know, you got to wake up and start working again. Super Bowl week is very fun because of that. You know, you get to hang out with a lot of people that you know from around the league and all those things. But it is it is a little tiring. And I expect that this is going to be an exhausting week in Las Vegas. Right. I mean, who wants to be in Las Vegas for more than, I don't know, 48 hours? Uh, you know, for, not to be not there my bank from, account, Miles. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, mine either, frankly. So to be there from Sunday before the Super Bowl to the Monday after, like that, that, that may be a little dangerous. So we'll <laughs> see how that works out. I like that you're going to get jaded by Vegas by the end of it. You're going to be like, this, this uh, place yeah, sucks. Totally. You're like, I don't, I don't yeah, need this Well, yeah, I, I lived there briefly, too, for like six months at, you know, in 2020. And obviously that oh. was during COVID. So, yeah. I've lived a lot of places, Jonathan. You know, we can talk about that off the air. I'm sure not really what you want to talk about. But yeah, Vegas is a, it's a kind of a lawless society, which is great when you're there for 48 hours. But once you live there, it's a little weird. I've lived a lot of random places, too. What's your most random? And then we'll get to more football. Um, well, I mean, I guess Charlotte, because Charlotte is just a place where I've had two different jobs. And then I left after brief times with both of those jobs. So I would say that's almost the most random. Then I lived in Oakland for six months, too, when I was covering the Raiders, and they were still in Oakland before I moved to Las Vegas. So, yeah. St. Louis, also random, although not, I guess, because I was working for the Rams. I lived in St. Louis for a little bit. I like that. Okay. Uh, All right. Anyway. um, All right. Let's do this before we get to the Browns, then. What are you feeling for divisional – sorry, championship weekend here? I I never bet against Patrick Mahomes. The fact that I can get plus money on Patrick Mahomes – and I'm not going to have it for two-plus weeks. And then if he makes it to the Super Bowl again, he probably wouldn't be a favorite against the 49ers if they advance on either. It's kind of wild how counted out he is by our friends in the desert. Well, it's interesting because that team, on offense at least, was not good throughout the entire year. And so you look at what they did last week, and you know, if you had told me going into that game that Marquez Valdez-Scantling would outplay Stephon Diggs, I would have looked at you like you were crazy. Mm-hmm. But that's what happened, right? Steph Diggs finishes with three catches for 21 yards, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling has two for 60-some. That's ridiculous. You don't expect Valdez-Scantling to start coming through in the clutch. So, and really that game should have been worse, right? I mean, if Michael Hardman doesn't fumble at the one yard line and it goes out of the end zone, I don't know why Andy Reid insists on being so fancy at the goal line when Isaiah Pacheco has run you down to the three, just give it to him again and let him take their soul. But it's really interesting just how the Chiefs offense has kind of figured itself out. And, you know, in the playoffs, for whatever reason, they're a nightmare matchup for Buffalo anyway. So that's one thing, but I, I agree with you. It's, Hard for me to bet against Patrick Mahomes in the postseason just based on what we've seen from him, right? I mean, this, the, the floor for Patrick Mahomes-led team is overtime in the championship round, right? Like, that's crazy. Wow. That, that's the worst he's ever done is losing in overtime in the AFC championship game. So I think Baltimore's a great team, like, as much as it kind of pains me to say that as a, a native Clevelander. Like, they, it's a really, really good team. It's got a really, really good defense. Lamar Jackson is playing as, as good a football as he's ever played. But when 15's on the other side, you never – so I, I kind of think the Chiefs might sneak by here. I, I'm workshopping this one. Let me run it by you, okay? Uh, Lamar, okay. he's, he's going to win his second MVP. So Lamar now yes. has been to the same number of conference title games as Josh Allen has – and the count for accomplishments is two MVPs versus Josh Allen's two Pro Bowls. Why is it people still look at last week as the heavyweight matchup? We should we should adjust ourselves. It should be Lamar and Patrick Mahomes in any year Joe Burrow doesn't exist as the heavyweight matchup. 
I mean, I would agree with you. And, you know, who knows how many more years that Joe Burrow's not going to exist. I mean, for the good of the league, I, I hope it's only this one. Um, but I, I think that you're right. I mean, everybody hyped up, you know, last week in Mahomes Allen is, you know, Brady, Manning, and that, that, that. And it's like, well, I just, I don't see Josh Allen as the Manning of that relationship yet. I, I would see Joe Burrow as being closer to that and that rivalry between Cincinnati and Kansas City being sure than the one between Buffalo and Kansas City, just because Buffalo has not gotten out of the divisional round in each of the last three uh, seasons. So, like, they've got work to do. And Kansas City is in their heads. I remember a few years ago, or a couple years ago, I guess it was, after that 13 seconds game, and then uh, Brian Bean, their uh, Brandon Bean, their, their general manager, start talking about how, you know, we've got to make sure that we can get past Kansas City. And at a certain point, it's like, you got to focus on yourself first. <laughs> you know, how do you become the best version of the Buffalo Bills and not how do we become the version of the Buffalo Bills that needs to be Kansas City? And so you go and you see what they did last year and Cincinnati comes in and they beat the brakes off them at home. So I, I agree with you. Like, there's, there's something to the Lamar Jackson-Patrick Mahomes matchup that really is the battle of heavyweights because that's going to be two MVPs versus two MVPs, right? And assuming Lamar Jackson's going to win this one, and he will. Um, but I think the other issue there is that we haven't seen Lamar Jackson play in meaningful late-season football yeah. in a few years. Right? Like he's been hurt the last two years, which is bad for the league. And so now he's, he's healthy. He's playing great football. The defense is playing great football. And, and we will see this really good matchup between the young quarterbacks. If Lamar loses this game, does he wipe away that rhetoric that he doesn't have like the big playoff moments and, and he's now, or is this it? He played in the AFC title game. We kind of have to ditch that because entering this year, Miles, I used to always make the argument. I was like, he's got as many wins as Baker Mayfield does in the postseason. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's hard for me to be like, man, he's such a failure when if he won time in the AFC title game and he's going up against Mahomes and Mahomes just hasn't lost in those situations very much. Right. And you know, yes, the, the Chiefs are going to be on the road. It's going to be a hostile environment. We'll see how they handle that. Obviously, they handled Buffalo very, very well. So. I don't know that it's going to be fair to be like, oh, man, Lamar Jackson, he couldn't get past it. He couldn't, you know, get over the hump and it's this and it's that. Like, let's give it a little more time because, like I said, he is playing at an MVP level. And it's not like he's been committing the same turnovers as Josh Allen, you know, committing, having those game-changing plays that are in negative ways. It's just when you watch Lamar Jackson, you see the kind of control and command that he has over the game. And, I, I don't know. I, I understand that that's going to be a narrative, but I think if we're going to make these excuses for Josh Allen and it's like, well, you know, he's, I, everybody says he's a top four, top three quarterback, whatever, even though he doesn't beat Patrick Holmes and that, then like, why wouldn't we say the same thing about Lamar Jackson? I, I don't know. All right, let me ask you this. This is a Foreo level take that I'm going to have here. Okay. Oh boy. The I love that you always do that. I love that you're always like, oh no, I gotta it's my I gotta account for this. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna make you account for this. All right. Um multiple time MVP winners. Tell me the one that isn't a Hall of Famer. Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Jim Brown, Johnny Unitas, Brett Favre, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Kurt Warner, Patrick Mahomes, and now after this year, Lamar Jackson. And I make the argument, Lamar Jackson, regardless of what happens this weekend, based off the fact that he now has two MVPs, has solidified himself as a Hall of Famer. I don't, I don't know that he has. I, I, I think that part of it is that he's just not been healthy enough 
And frankly, and you know, this may get me in trouble with certain certain circles, but like, why is Kurt Warner a Hall of Famer? Like, I, I don't. That's the one where you know, if you're asking me, like, is, is of that list, Lamar Jackson and Kurt Warner are the ones that you know seem to me like they're not like the others. That's funny. Okay, I mean, he won the Super Bowl, he's two-time MVP. It's uh, I get what you're saying, though. It took him a while I to mean, get there, and he didn't play for a million years. I get it. And he had uh, he had the best I, weaponry you can imagine. What did he? Have? He had four good years. Yeah, yeah. like I, that's I don't know. I, yeah, I, so I get it. No, I get it. You're right. It wouldn't make you popular in a lot of circles, but I get I get what you're saying. Uh, Miles, let me ask you. We started off the show with this. What worries you more about Deshaun Watson? And you got to choose one. You can't say both. Okay, it doesn't work that way on this show. Is it Deshaun's okay. talent or is it his health? Which one worries you more? Oh, that's interesting. Um, can I go with the third option and say whatever's going on mentally? Like, because I think that he's still talented. You know, we, we saw against Baltimore that he is still talented. Um, and the health is certainly going to be a factor. But can he bring himself mentally to the point where he's playing elite football? Right. I mean, that, that's why the Browns made the trade because you're in a conference with guys like Patrick Mahomes, like Josh Allen, like Lamar Jackson, like Joe Burrow. And so in order to really compete and win against those teams, you have to have elite quarterback play. So, you know, you weren't going to get that from Baker Mayfield. Sorry, Baker bros, but you weren't going to get that from him. I think that was pretty clear. Um, And so you were going to pull the plug there. And this was a bold move that you could make. I don't know if Deshaun Watson's going to get himself back to that place or not. We know he's talented, like I said. You don't do what he did against Baltimore's defense in the second half of that game in Baltimore without being very talented. Now, can he stay healthy? Yeah, that's certainly a big concern, but quarterbacks do get hurt. You know, Joe Burrow got hurt. We were just talking about Lamar Jackson's been hurt the last couple years. But to me, it's just, can you be – mentally the, the type of consistent player week in and week out that you were at the peak of your career so far in Houston. That, that's, I think, the biggest concern. Kellen Moore going to interview tomorrow for the OC job. Uh, it, it's probably the first real name we've seen enter the conversation. I, I don't know that he's worth giving up the play calling for, Drew Stefanski, uh, but what do you make of Kellen Moore? Um, uh, I think he is a decent play caller and schemer. Um, obviously, he had a number one offense with the Dallas Cowboys. But watching what he did this year with uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, it was just a little bit disappointing because you felt like that was going to be a great opportunity for him to pair up with Justin Herbert and really get things going. And it ended up that Justin Herbert had probably his worst year in the NFL this year. And obviously there were a lot of other issues with that team, starting with their former head coach and Brandon Staley. But I just, I didn't see the kind of progress that I thought we might see out of Justin Herbert um, with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. And again, there's a lot of things that were going on there talent wise. You know, everybody says that Tom Telesco put together one of the most talented rosters in the league and la la la. It's like, well, why haven't the Chargers won more? I don't, that's an argument I also don't particularly understand. So I, I don't, I, I would agree with you in saying that I don't know that Kellen Moore is worth giving up the offensive play calling for. I think that it would behoove Kevin Stefanski and the Browns to bring somebody in who may have a fresh perspective on things and bring in some new ideas. But to me, I don't, I don't see the reason for Kevin Stefanski to give up play calling. I frankly, I like it when the head coach is calling plays. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I guess that has to do with my history and being around the head coaches that I've been around, but 
I think that head coaches who call the plays are a little bit more in tune with the pulse of the game, hmm. right? And, you know, how you are able to communicate different things and see different things and communicate with the quarterback and all that. I, I think that's why Dak Prescott had a bit of a better year this year because Mike McCarthy was calling the plays, right? And, you know, yes, they had a playoff failure, but in the regular season, you could see that they were in tune together. They understood each other that much. So, I like it when the head coach calls plays. I understand that people don't, but that would be my preference. No, good answer. I like that one. Miles, uh, as always, we appreciate you. We check you out at profootballtalk.com. Of course, PFT Live. You have the Peter King Podcast. You're a very busy man. It, it, did I miss anything, or is that everything? I think that's everything, yeah. It, it, but it does seem like a busy – I am a busy person, especially this time of the year. So, no, it's always good to catch up with you, man. No, but that's fun, though. You get to talk to you know, Peter King and, and Mike Forio. That's a, that's a dream job right there. You're doing great, man. Appreciate it. So all right. you. We'll catch up with you later and uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, and maybe we'll talk to you after it and, and see how the uh, uh, the atmosphere and the EDM was. That's all I got on Tiesto. I just learned his name four hours ago. I'm very happy with myself. EDM guy, he's doing the uh, the stuff at the Super Bowl, and we're getting an EDM Tiesto Thursday going here on the fan. I love I absolutely love it. Told you, cash, cash. Only EDM guy I ever saw. It was in Mexico for a bachelor party. And uh, my one of my best friends in life, he was like, he just he got really into EDM. And I, I assume EDM is just a lot of, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of that music, people dancing around it. I don't know. I'm sure drugs are, are, are had plentiful at all those EDM. You know, the one I went to though in Mexico, not a drug to be found. Cash Cash went very, uh, very straight, very straight edge in that, uh, in that moment, for whatever reason. Not that I was looking for any, though, Jax. Don't judge me for that type of thing. I'm not a drug guy. We know this about me. I, I drink. I'm not a drug guy, and I don't really drink that much anymore, to be honest. I have my Johnny Walker. You guys know that. Uh, but at this point in life, I'm just kind of hanging out. I, I accidentally have accomplished dry January. That's where I'm at in life, okay? I just happens i watched my mom do the same exact thing my mom had a bunch of kids and i'm not having a bunch of kids i've got one we might end up having two that's about it but my mom had a bunch of kids and didn't drink for like 20 years and then all of a sudden i got old enough to start drinking and then my mom started drinking again and started having fun with it and i'm like yeah because it's kind of it's a good time if you can you know make it make it work She's like just had too many kids i couldn't i couldn't be doing that all the time and i'm like it makes sense now i understand it completely two one six four seven four to below 92 fantastic time having Miles Simmons on. The energy he brought tonight was amazing. Odyssey Rewind, go back and listen to it in case you're just joining us. It happened uh, a half hour ago starting at 8 o'clock. He was good for 20 minutes. It was exceptional. But uh, the last part is the part I want to talk about with you guys. We started talking about Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is interviewing for the OC job tomorrow. If you guys aren't necessarily the most familiar with Kellen Moore's work, outside of you remembering him being a former quarterback, in Dallas, he was the OC. And he finished in the top offense three times in four years. Top 10 in offense three times in four years. Mike McCarthy made his way to Dallas. And then Mike McCarthy was like, no, this is working out so well, I can't possibly let you go. And I can't possibly get rid of the play calls from you. Mike McCarthy's only ever called plays in Green Bay, won him a Super Bowl, and in the 2015 NFC title game against the Seahawks. Uh, you can make an argument like I have in the past. It cost them that game. He was good at it until he wasn't. That's a lot of things in life. But Mike McCarthy is very similar to Kevin Stefanski in a lot of ways and that he believes he's an elite play caller. And he got to Dallas. And Kellen Moore had already done a lot of work with Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott had never looked better. And so he said, all right, you can keep 
the play calling duties, and we can see what you can do. He won 12 games in year one. He won 12 games in year two. And he got Das Boot. Fair or unfair? In a season where Dak Prescott didn't play the entirety of it, Kellen Moore got kicked to the curb. Like he was an old couch or something. They just they just got rid of him. He goes to Los Angeles. He goes to the Chargers. Didn't have particularly an impressive year by anyone's measurement. And now he's on the open market because the Chargers went off and hired Jim Harbaugh. And when you fire Brandon Staley, you get a brand new coaching staff and you get a new opportunity. You're probably thinking to yourself now at this point, but Jonathan, how does this all relate to why you don't want Kellen Moore calling plays for the Browns? And why, how does this all relate to Kevin Stefanski? I'm confused. You're just you're basically just giving me the guy's Wikipedia. It's important you guys know that this is no slappy. It's important that you guys know that Kellen Moore is legitimately a B-plus play caller, in my estimation. The problem in this discussion is that Kevin Stefanski thinks he's an A-plus play caller. And I'm going to go back to the same thing I've always said about Kevin Stefanski when it comes to the play calling. He's never going to give it up. And this right here, this interview that's going to take place tomorrow in Berea, I would presume, is going to be based around the idea that Kellen Moore is going to come on in. He's probably going to be really impressive because he was impressive in Dallas. He was impressive in Los Angeles. He's an impressive human. He's very sharp. He's got a good head on his shoulders like he is. He gets it. He's innovative in a lot of ways. Hell, the only thing... Mike McCarthy said when he left was that he, the biggest problem he had was that Kellen Moore tried to run up the scoreboard too much and tried to light up the scoreboard too much, which is like telling a fisherman you're catching too many fish. Like, isn't that the point? Isn't that the job to put points on the board? How am I, how is that what I, that's what I'm doing wrong? That'd be like my boss calling me into the office like, Jonathan, listen, we like you, but the ratings this past month was just too high. We can't have the ratings be this high. It changes the dynamics. Like, what? What are we talking about? That's the whole goal. The whole goal is to get ratings. The whole goal of your Kellen Moore is to score a bunch of points. Mike McCarthy ripped him on the way out because he was trying to light up the scoreboard too much. So Kellen Moore is going to come in here. And how I relate this to Stefanski is I think I really do believe this because they're not going to be able to convince him that he's going to be able to come here as an offensive coordinator and not do the plays. Again, Kellen Moore is not too far from Kevin Stefanski and that he thinks he's gifted in play calling. He thinks he's a savant, and that's fine. He's got some credentials to his name. I'm going to let him believe whatever he needs to believe. What I think is happening here, and if I'm wrong, you can go ahead and at me at Jay Peterlin. But I've been right about this for four-plus years on Kevin Stefanski, and I'm going to continue the cycle of me being right. I think Stefanski brought him in here so he can say, well, this guy's good. I'm trying. I'm open to the idea. You guys see the play callers I'm bringing in here. I'm not just bringing in anybody's. I'm bringing in legitimate play callers. I'm open to the idea of giving up the play calling duties to then turn around and not give up the play calling duties. I believe in my heart of hearts, Kevin Stefanski will never give up the play calling duties. So Kellen Moore is a fun name, and I want to hear from you, 216474 to below 92. Is Kellen Moore worth giving up the play calling to you guys? But for me, 
I don't think it's going to happen. And I'm not going to go as far as saying this is a non-starter of a conversation uh, because I think it's worthy of a conversation, even though I fall so heavily on one side of it. This is where I need your help to go ahead and try to convince me that maybe I'm on the wrong end of it. Or at least give the listeners another point of view. Part of doing solo sports talk radio that makes it really tough, and especially when you're me, is that I am so adamant in what I believe and I am so adamant in my thoughts and my opinions that I need you guys to call up and tell me when I'm out of line. I need you to call me up and tell me when I need to be checked. I need you to tell me when maybe I'm a little off. Because in this instance, I believe I'm so 100% right. If I'm wrong, fine, I'll wear that one. I'm like Evo Knievel. I get paid for the attempt either way. I'll wear that one. But I don't see Kellen Moore being hired by the Browns as a play caller and an offensive coordinator. If for whatever reason they can convince him that he's going to come here, not call plays, and just fixing Deshaun Watson will be worth everything, then okay, fine. But I don't believe that's going to happen either. The amount of candidates the Browns are bringing in tells me they haven't found their guy yet. But I do believe the guy they end up finding is going to be somebody you and I likely haven't spent much time talking about. And it's likely going to be somebody that is very, very comfortable not calling the plays and being second fiddle to Kevin Stefanski. 216-474-92. Let me hear it. Tell me where I'm off guard. Tell me where I'm off base. But when it comes to Kellen Moore, is he worth giving up the play calling? Also, what did Albert Breer say about the latest run the play calling as well? It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan. I think this is all a big ploy. I think the ploy attached to this is the idea that he's trying to give off the same perception he's tried to give off the entire time, that he's open, sure. Yeah, if the right guy comes along and give up the play calling, he's never giving up the play calling. If I'm wrong about it, I end up being wrong about it. It is what it is. Kellen Moore is not coming here. If he doesn't get to call the plays, I'd be just as shocked by that as I would anything else. But maybe Kellen Moore looked around and saw what happened with the Chargers, and maybe he's not as valuable as maybe he once was. Uh, Mike McCarthy kicking him to the curb was a very interesting development in Dallas because he had a top 10 offense in three out of the four years that he was there. He had taken Dak Prescott to really high levels. But what I love that our, our our buddy Miles Simmons, when he was on with us at 8 o'clock, had to say a couple two things I loved. I mean, I love the old interview. It was great. But two things in particular that I loved. He mentioned how Dak Prescott did get better this year as opposed to last year. And that is a direct credit to Mike McCarthy. And really a slap to the idea that Kellen Moore is some sort of offensive genius. The other thing is, you guys know where Miles worked, right? Miles worked in Los Angeles. He worked with Sean McVay. Sean McVay is the type of head coach that will, over his dead body, give up the play calling. He's just like Shanahan. Those guys love it. And I really do believe the point he made about being locked into a game that much more remains true when you call the plays. Weird, if I can admit something to you guys, part of what I like about gambling isn't necessarily in the sports gambling, obviously. And part of what I like about it, and I'm not doing as much of it now as I was, mainly because I, I like to bet on the NFL, and the NFL is winding down. I don't like I don't like NBA betting as much or college basketball betting as much. I'll find games here or there, but I don't love it as much as I love the NFL betting. But if just being honest, one thing I love about it is I'm more locked into the games. And I, I know, I know, if I had millions of dollars on each game, I would be as locked in as anybody. 
I would like to believe so. But when you're play calling, it's like when you call a game of Madden. Go watch a game of Madden at your buddy's house and then go watch a game of Madden when you're actually playing the game. It's different, right? Like you feel you're more invested. You remember plays from your Matt. You remember plays that you had calling up and dialing up Madden calls? You remember that? It's been years. And there are certain plays you remember in, ga- in playing games of Madden, right? You don't remember a single play watching your buddies on the couch play. Like when you're invested that way, when you're more locked in, I do think it matters. And, and there is a degree that you can get more locked in and more focused than just being on the sidelines and then trying to manage both sides of the ball. When you get to call the plays, you are zeroed in. Nobody bothers you. One thing I like, if you go to a, if you go to a game and you watch Stefanski, watch him. He's 30 yards away from everybody. Nobody is bothering him. No one's coming up and talking to him. At times, we've kind of made points about how Deshaun Watson on the sidelines wasn't talking to Kevin Stefanski. He was talking to everybody but Kevin Stefanski. Stefanski doesn't like to be bothered. He's locked in. If he gives up the play calling, then he's not. He's, he's more free to have conversations with everybody under the sun because that's what he's supposed to be doing then. He's managing the game more, obviously. I like when he's locked in. I think his recall on what works and doesn't work is much better when he's locked in. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Troy up next on the fan. What's up, Troy? Hey, what's going on, Jonathan? Hey, uh, I just wanted to first start off by saying that I'm shocked with your age that you don't really know who Tiesto is or many songs. Uh, that kind of shocked me. Not that I it aged you. Yeah, I feel very aged you. right now. Uh, hey, it is a Tiesto <laughs> Thursday here on the fan. Uh, Jax, can we get some Tiesto, please, and thank you. Uh, I'm loving what I'm hearing. I just I'm not a Tiesto fan. There it is. There we go. It's a, we're an EDM-friendly yeah, society here. And uh, from what I've been told, there is nothing more fun than having some of the recreational activities that happen at these parties while also listening to Overtime with Jonathan Peterson. Just a rumor on the street. Rumor on the street. Nope. I go to shows often, and it's, it's a blast, man. But uh, I just nice. want to say that I agree with you on the Kellen Moore thing. I don't think it's going to be the best fit. I feel like we've done that enough in Cleveland with Hugh Jackson and Freddie with kind of the button heads of, head coaches and offensive coordinators really not gelling with each other kind of with the egos and whatnot. Not that Kevin Stefanski has an ego, but... I think he's got an ego. I think he's got way more of an ego than people believe he does. Possibly, yeah. But he, he at least keeps his hand, his, his cards to himself at least a little more. You can, you can never really get a gauge or a temperature really on emotionally how he's feeling. But So I don't think he would ever openly really throw his OC under the, the bus necessarily, but I feel like we've already done this before, and I don't, I don't think Kellen Moore would be the right fit. Not saying he's not a good OC or anything like that, but I just don't think he'd be the right fit for Cleveland. It's not the fit for me. Troy, how old are you? i gotta, I got to know now. I just turned 29. You sound much older uh, than 29. I'm going to age you. Oh, you thank sound you. Yeah, no, you do. You sound, I thought, That's good, yeah. man. <laughs> when you first came on and wanted to talk EDM, I'm like, whoa, wait, what does this 45-year-old want to do with EDM? Okay, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, I've been to plenty of shows, man. They're a blast. I love the EDM culture. I mean, you could really, you know, you, you wear whatever you want. You be whoever you want to be. It's always a good vibe, good time. Um, yes, there's a Always recreational use, but that's any <laughs> genre of music you you go to. You know that's what I mean? True. So that's true. Um, so I think the Tiesto thing—that's a big win for the EDM community because it's not really like uh, most older generation people all umbrella EDM subgenres onto one genre and just call it techno usually. So it's kind of a breath of fresh air that the Super Bowl is kind of doing something a little unique and different with a different genre of music. Yeah, I mean, imagine third down and two, turnover punt and then this 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm in on it. I like it. Wild. Thank you, Troy. I appreciate you, man, as always. Ah, Jared Goff with his fourth interception of the day. Here's Tiesto. That's going to be wild. <laughs> it's gonna. I love I love that the NFL's trying, but uh, I, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And we'll always have a Tiesto Thursday here on 92.3 The Fan. You can't take that away from us. 216-474-0092. Joe and Canton up next on The Fan. What's up, Joe? First off, I don't know anything about EDM or techno. No, me neither. <laughs> me neither. I know nothing about it. At not, the but only, I will say, yeah. I will say that Kellen Moore is too closely aligned to what Kevin Stefanski has done and been doing. So if he really wants to shake things up, I've got a name for you okay. based on what he has been used to and what he has been successful with and what the Browns have currently at quarterback. Okay. I'm listening. The enemy. Oh, I just got a tweet about this. Wasn't you, was it? No, you're not Luigi. You're no, Joe. No, right, Luigi yeah. just tweeted at me like uh, it's 11 minutes ago, so I shouldn't say just. He says I would wait for Eric Bieniemy to be fired. Is this so? Uh, this is a this is a little. What this is the second time we've had this happen now in the show, where I'm taking the show one direction, and then the tweeters and the callers are completely lockstep and want to take it a different direction. So you think Bieniemy's yeah. the guy? I give me a guy if you're going to work with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson who can create, mm. give me a guy who has worked and been successful with a quarterback who can create in Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. No, I see that I am logic. not a Browns fan. I am a Browns fan sympathizer. But if you're going to give me the chance to pair Deshaun Watson with somebody who can create and who can create an offense, and I'm telling you right now, the enemy wasn't the one calling plays in Kansas City. Or else he would have wound up in Washington. Well, he needed he needed to get away from Reed was the 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 deal there, and that that's kind of what was publicly put out. Now I'll expand on that. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate you, man. As always, he needed to get away from Andy Reed because winning Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes somehow became stale to the rest of the NFL community, and so he had to try to do it in a way that would be more impressive. And this would check a box. This would check a big box in the idea that Eric Bieniemy uh, is uh, worth his weight in gold, so to speak, because you fixed a Sean Watson. You are the bell of the ball. There is no denying that. Yeah, what happened in, in Kansas City, it's, it's very unfair to, to Bieniemy in many, many ways. But what happened to Bieniemy, though, is that Patrick Mahomes became so good and so talented it almost became like how coaching MJ was for Phil Jackson. For a while, Phil Jackson wasn't revered the way he is in the current moment. It was like, well, yeah, anybody could have won with MJ. Was that really that hard? That really Is that really that hard? Kind of like how we looked at Ty Lue here. Ty Lue, until he went off and did it in other spots after Cleveland, was looked at as a guy like, of course you won with LeBron. Eric Spolstra came through the same things as well. Eric Spolstra was looked at like, yeah. Of course you won with Dwayne Wade, LeBron, and Bosch. So you're supposed to win with those three. And then he took a Heat team to a finals that had no business being in the finals. And people were like, oh, yeah, he's a top 15 coach all time. Like, this is what you – sometimes you got to separate yourself from greatness in order to really tru- be, truly be appreciated. And I feel like that did happen for Biennemi this this last offseason. I don't think Biennemi would be interested in this job if he doesn't get to play call 
And I still don't believe Stefanski would give up the play calling. So I think we're at a little bit of a crossroads there. Uh, we have our guy, Albert Breer, on earlier today on Afternoon Drive. Albert said this about the OC search. Here we go. The name I was kind of keeping an eye on, and we'll see whether or not he goes in there to interview, is Tim Kelly. And Tim worked with Deshaun in Houston and had a really strong relationship with him. It's pretty well thought of. Was a tight zone offensive coordinator last year, obviously. You know, at the, obviously got fired as part of the purge there with Mike Vrabel. But Tim Kelly was the one that kind of stuck out to me. And on top of that, Bill O'Brien, before he went to Ohio State, is guys who've had a lot of success with Deshaun in the past. Kellen would 100% make some sense. He's obviously called plays now for two different teams, and he's pretty well accomplished. He'd be kind of taking on a distressed asset there. I mean, that like he hasn't seen maybe quite the same way he was a year or two ago, but he's really accomplished. So my feeling is like the reason for this move was because of people higher up than Kevin feeling like they had to do something to get a little bit more out of Deshaun. So, you know, I think that's why you see the first two guys come in and Kellen Moore and Brian Johnson being guys who've been very focused over their careers in the quarterback position. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know, we see some more guys in there who have actually had past experience with Deshaun on the field. Yeah, that's kind of what makes sense to me as well. I don't think we found the guy yet. I don't I don't believe we found the guy yet. Kick off with Boomer Sias and Mike Valeni give their big game predictions and weigh in on all the news around the football world Friday night at 7 before me, Overtime with Jonathan Peterwin. Listen in on the Odyssey app presented nationally by Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos brought to you by those who drink it and Lowe's. Lowe's knows home improvement. We got the fan focus coming up next where Nick Wilson said this. Who are these people? What are we doing? This is a level of um, anal retentiveness that I think is unhealthy. All right. Find out what got Nick Wilson so riled up. We'll do it next in the fan focus. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with you on the fan.